University, the voice of Reichman University. Welcome to Kol HaSaftot. My name is Sabrina Shantz and I'm your host for today's episode. This is a show about bringing Saftot to the forefront. Whether you call her grandma, Safta, nana, nonna, mama, mommy or anything else, our grandmothers are the kindest, wisest and most loving people we know. And they have a lot to share with us. On this show, you'll hear pearls of wisdom and recipes from our beloved grandmas. They'll tell us how they built homes, raised kids, fed families and much, much more. This is Kola Saftot. This is a podcast about grandmothers and their cooking. And my heart aches for all the grandkids who lost their grandparents and all the grandparents who had to bury their grandchildren. I think of how many grandkids will no longer be able to eat their grandmother's food and how many delicious meals will only live in memory from now on after the horrible attacks on October the 7th. The pain is too much to bear. As our listeners know, we're currently in the middle of a war and those of us who aren't in the front line spend our time praying for the safe return of all of our soldiers and our hostages as soon as possible. My first guest today is Laurie Lasday, who is a Safta extraordinaire. She's the fun grandmother of Teddy, Emmanuel and Daniel, but she's also an adopted Safta to every single person who knows her. Laurie Lasday also works as a concierge for trips to Israel and if you'd like to contact her about your next trip to Israel, you can email her at iwillisrael at gmail.com. Laurie, welcome to the show today. It's very exciting to be here today, especially because I love my new role. My first time being in this role as official Safta was five years ago here in Israel when my first grandson was born. So uh, you've come to Israel now for the birth of your third grandson. Uh, which is a super exciting time. And uh, how does that feel for you? Well, you have to understand, uh, we've been blessed uh, with our son living here in Israel. When he was five years old, we came to live in Israel for a year. And my husband was studying at the Hebrew University, so it's good to be here in a university setting. And the two-year-old and the five-year-old children that we had would say, he said to me at that point, Ima, if this was your dream, why did you have to bring me with you? Wow. So that was that was back in 1987. And the fact that we're now in 2023, and the boy who asked me that question is in fact living my dream. <laughs> he is living here in the Tel Aviv, Nevei area with his beautiful wife, who brings with her. She happens to be my sister. And that we are gifted, <laughs> gifted by that. I call her my kala, my my bride. Mm-hmm. Um, she is the bride of my son, and the two of them have blessed my husband and I with three grandchildren: Teddy Stanley, who was born in September of 2018, right after the World Lacrosse Games; uh, Emmanuel Shai, who was born again right after some action we had to prove it was during it was just at the end of corona Mm -hmm. and to be able to travel from the u.s to israel we had to prove that david was indeed our son oh my gosh we had to get an apostille to show that we indeed were married to each other this was after 40 
some years of being married. Uh, we had to prove that we were married to each other and that David, in fact, was our firstborn. So you, you jumped through hoops just to, just just to, to come be home. after. That's right. And so, then we just now had uh, baby Daniel. Yeah, he's a very, very cute little baby. Um, so the focus of this show, as we've, we've discussed, is bringing Safdot to the forefront because I think that their voice needs to be heard and with a specific focus on feeding and cooking and recipes because I think that Safdot from wherever they come around the world are professional feeders. No matter who walks through their door, they'll always offer them something salty, sweet, hot or cold. Um, there's always some kind of food going on. Um, they can put together a meal in no time and really welcome anyone who comes to the table. Can you share a memory you have as a child of either your mom or your grandma cooking for you? What was your favorite thing to have prepared for you? Well, I was blessed to grow up with both my mother's parents uh, alive and my father's mother. Uh, both of them had very different ways of cooking. My grandma, we called her, was my father's mother. Mm -hmm. uh, her husband had passed away and my father was quite young. So we knew of him, but we didn't know him. But her... Uh, go-to meal was eggs and siblis. Wow. What, so what is siblis? eggs and siblis? That's, this is so interesting because I always thought I was speaking English when I said it. It's yeah. Yiddish. And it's eggs and onions. And wow. what you do is you make eggs, potatoes, and onions, yeah. and you chop, 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 chop them. And no matter, my grandmother became quite old, and still, that was her go-to. If you went to the house, that it was like an egg salad, but it was egg salad with potatoes, onions, so no, it's, it was not like scrambled eggs with no. onion and potato. It you was... made hard-boiled eggs. What you did is you took hard-boiled eggs. You had cooked white potatoes mm -hmm. and uh, cooked onions. Yeah. And you chopped them up, chopped them up, chopped them up. I think other adult, other um, cultures within yeah. Judaism have things that are similar. Sometimes you can make from them pancakes, etc. But hers wow. was served in a scoop on your, on your on uh, plate. And then you always had... you. My father was a big believer in always having a big piece of bread. Mm. When my I mean, mother... I think, how can you not be... Uh, right? I like that you said it's a belief, but I mean, bread is life. It, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, when you go to someone's new home, you're supposed to bring bread and salt. I didn't know that. Um, so that, that their house should never go without food and that it should always be tasty. Nice. So it's a very, very nice tradition that I've seen replicated differently in different cultures. But it's something, again, that I grew up with. My Bubby, who was literally, she looked like a little round cookie jar. I think that's the best <laughs> way to describe it. You know, like you, you think about a, uh, an Eastern European grandmother. I'm, I'm Ashkenazi, um, come from, from Russia, greater Russia. Um, but my grandparents were born in America. So that, that was a very different kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't, I believe that my grandparents may have spoken Yiddish to each other, my mother's parents, but my father's mother only knew certain things like foods. Okay. She only knew that someone once said to me when I was here with my own children in Israel, that food and the, what we call that food oftentimes tells a story. So my children in Israel, they wanted kefli and bisali, mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't until someone said to me, Ben, what did you eat? I said, kreplach, kanedelach. Rogelach. So, right? All of that's for lach. Yeah, for you. So somebody else was in our 
original culture, it was all about the other. Mm. It was all about feeding the other. And then we, we came home to a land where we said, no, no, no. It's not about the other. It's about me. Yeah. I, you know, this is what I like to eat. So my bubby, this little, this little round bubby, yeah. um, who I think at least 10 of us could hug her at one time. That's wow. how round she was. And there was a stage in her life that she lost weight. My Zadie said, I said, what do you do now that she's skinny? He says, oh, people whistle at her. <laughs> and I said, are you jealous? And he said, no, I just hold on tighter. <laughs> so it was hard to imagine that That's she was so a, skinny, a skinny bubby. Oh, I was, thank God I was raised with a lot of love. So it was started with my bubby. And um, this recipe that I'll share with you is uh, for hamantashen. Okay. Okay. But also the same recipe is used for jelly roll, which means you roll it out and then you fill it with whatever you and your sisters like. Okay. So there was always a roll that Bubby made for Zadie. That was, it always had walnuts in it and it had jelly in it. it had but you, you roll it and then you cut it? Into... It, you have to roll it and then you bake it and then you cut it. And okay. you normally the ends are kept. That's like a a special that, that whoever gets the ends, because wow. normally you wouldn't put them out on the beautiful plate. Right. But that I would think that the best part, like you would think, Bubby, why don't you make a lot of little rolls? Because that way there'll be more ends. And then the other was to take uh. the same recipe and to roll them into circles. And that's where we were allowed to help. Bubby cookies meant you, the, the child, the grandchild, could participate. It was a baking activity. It was, right? And you... One, you could participate in making the dough, but then the dough had to go in the refrigerator overnight. Mm -hmm. So it was like this, you would open, you would kept, clearly we kept opening the refrigerator to see, was it ready? Mm -hmm. It had not, you, it didn't yeah, look yeah, any yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. It really didn't. But she could put the... her finger in, but really it had to, uh, it had to cool for a certain amount of time. Every one of my sisters in all of their very different lifestyles still has this recipe. And when I teach, I transfer it onto all my students because, and I call it the Bubby, Bubby's recipe. Okay, so share the recipe with us. So the, it's very, it really is quite simple. Um, I wonder if there are friends among me that can make it gluten-free and could make it, you know, there's a, the new world of how to be a safta in a, um, in a vegan world. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a way and sure. anybody who can think of it, I'd love them to email me at the I will at Gmail. Okay. Um, so three eggs, mm -hmm. one cup of sugar, one cup of oil, sounds like a lot, but you're gonna need it. Uh, one teaspoon of baking powder. Okay. One teaspoon of baking soda. Now remember your baking powder and your baking soda are gonna be pre-measured into your flour. Okay. And your flour is three and a half to four cups. A Bubby's recipe mm. always has a this yeah. plus, like, you know, you can add it in. Start with three and a half if it, if it gets, if it's like, too Like, is it wet. too sticky? Yeah. Right, and remember, you don't wanna to use too, too much because you want it to be moist, moist because you don't want it to, and it's always what's funny because we use it for hamantashen. People always say your hamantashen tastes like, like cookies, whereas other people's can taste like bread. Yeah, they're too. Sometimes they're very heavy. heavy. The dough. Okay, I'll have to try these. So the best fun about making a hamantashen, I remember my bubby explaining, how do you take a circle and make it into a triangle? So I think that a safta is always teaching. Mm-hmm. You're teaching how to put on your shoes correctly. You're teaching left and right. 
you're teaching, you know, it's a, it's a fun, yeah. here, take a little taste. So yeah, these, these are the cookies. Will you have one with me? Yes, I will. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for, for bringing us a taster. Oh, I'll I, make I've... the, the bracha. Amen. Mm. And you have to, as you eat it, you have to wander back among the saftot and wonder how many generations. Yeah, these are actually filled with chocolate. Mm. They are delicious. It's The dough really is, it's not that heavy hamantashen dough. Mm-hmm. It's got a flakiness. So when you roll it out, you have to find the right size cup mm-hmm. so that you make your circle. And then you fold in two and squeeze it a bit. Again, all of these are, how you know, do you squeeze it a bit? Do you squeeze it too much? Don't make it flat. So that it was, we were learning so much at that time and also dexterity. Mm-hmm. So the fun part is, is that a number of years ago, my daughter-in-law, who was now the mother of my grandchildren, was in America and my mother brought her recipe. So it was my mother, me, and my children with my new daughter-in-law-to-be wow. who baked hamantashen, and I don't believe my daughter-in-law had ever baked hamantashen. She had her own cultural things to bring it's to true. the family. We, we, we never bake them as kids. So, um, um, and so because they are supposed to be pockets filled with Haman's money, then you, you always fill them with something delicious. Yummy. And everybody gets to say, do I want apricot? Do I want almond? Always chocolate. Of course, I knew it. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder my granddaughter, when, you, when we play pretend, she always has to bring a meal for a pretend. If mm-hmm. we're if we're at Beit Knesset, then she we're, we're at synagogue. She has to have a kiddush, and there's there's going to be some food. If we're sleeping and we have to wake up, we have to have breakfast. So she's thank God. I think I've influenced her well. Lovely. And she sits down with her pretend. First, she gives me a little coffee that she, of course, tells me is hot. I should blow on it. Mm-hmm. But and then she says in her very like very Middle Eastern. Chocolate. <laughs> so of course, it's not a good meal unless you it's have a little true. chocolate. It's true. Well, thank you for the recipe and thank you for bringing in the cookies mm. for us to taste. I want to ask you about uh, marriage. So anyone who knows you and your husband, Jeff, know that you are a real love story and that it seems to whoever encounters you that you are as in love today as you are when you as you were when you first met each other. Um so I was wondering if you could share kind of, first of all, tell us about how, how you two met and decided to get married. So uh, that's funny what you say that we are there, we're in love as much as we were from day one. I think if anything, I love him more every single day. Mm. Um, keeping in mind that for 43 years of marriage, he probably knows how to annoy me better than anybody <laughs> I know. Uh, what does he say? He knows how to push my buttons, mm-hmm. but he's my history. Uh, he's wow. my history, he's my present, and he's my future. So I met him when I was 14 years old. I was trying to fix him up with a girlfriend of mine because I was dating a boy named Jeffrey, and I wanted her to have a Jeffrey. And I just thought he was perfect. He he did um, artwork, and he, he, he paid attention, and he was very cute. Uh, he had hair down to his shoulders, and it looked almost like one of the Beatles. Wow. The fact that now uh, he is, as uh, my grandson puts it, his hair is very white. <laughs> it was quite dark then, and uh, there isn't a lot there. In fact, our grandson asked that next time he went for a haircut, could Zadie ask for him to have his hair cut long? 
<laughs> so my husband made a point of the next video putting on a long blonde wig <laughs> to say, you asked for it long, I got it long. But uh, we met in youth group. We were in Young Judea. So we met falling in love over Israel. Uh, we, that was at the age 14. He was 15. We married. Uh, I was 21 and he was 22. And we've been married at 43 years. Wow. So, and I think if you would ask him, like, if he would tell someone about our history together, you would think again that I looked like my little round bubby. I don't. Uh, even though my initials, this is what's so funny, my initials are LBS, which in English is short for pounds. It's true. So uh, they, I think it's quite funny that I always say to somebody, my, those are my initials, but I try not to weigh them. <laughs> So, um, but we raised, we raised two children together. Um, he said to me, this is the best part. When my father and mother walked me down the aisle in 1980, uh, my father, I kissed my mother. My father um, kissed me on both cheeks, put my veil back down and turned me to my, my groom, my hatan. And Jeff looked at me and he said, I promise you an adventure. Wow. And sure enough, our 43 years have been quite an adventure, some of which we would have uh, never expected. Um, being grandparents is an amazing part of that adventure. If you heard me, I re refer to him. Uh, the kids call me Safdi, and they call him Zadie, because he, our, our youngest, is named for his Zadie. Wow. So baby Daniel is named for his Zadie, and his middle name is for my dad. So uh, they carry with them not only the memory, but they carry with them this great family love. Uh, and uh, it's been an adventure. We've lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Boston, Pittsburgh, Boston, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Jerusalem, Milwaukee, Columbus, St. Louis, Maplewood, New Jersey, Detroit, Michigan. And now we reside in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he, we sent him back to, uh, and I said to him, do you have enough food? <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's probably the first thing. Uh, our daughter, quite funny, our daughter who is younger by about two and a half years of our son lives in Washington, DC. And she was in a public speaking class one day. So you can see how food travels through our family Yeah, is that she uh, was taking a public speaking class and she came to her class with a bag full of food of cookies and sweeties. And she said, my mother always raised me to know that the, only, the best way to make friends is to share food. It's so true. And I mean, it starts a conversation. It does. And I feel like people are always hungry or, or if someone takes out cookies, and you know, it's hard to say no. Um, it's a good, a good strategy. And tell us, if we go back to you and Jeff, and you're 43 years married? 43 years married. What's, if you could give one piece of advice to couples anywhere on the journey, whether they just got married yesterday, if they've been married for five, 10, 20 years, what's, what would you say is the secret to, to making it to 43 and many, 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 many more Please, years? Please God. And I think this was a secret that my father shared with both of us. Uh, again, Jeff and I dated for about seven years. so. He knew my family, and he was part of our life. In fact, there are days that I'm sure he's their son, and they had to marry me off to him to get him back. <laughs> um, I, they have a very close relationship. But my father always told us that there were certain rules in life. And one was that each and every day, one to the other, you need to verbally say, I love you. 
Oftentimes we get caught up, especially when we're parents, even when we're grandparents, and we say, me too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, Or just love you without the eye. But you have to really look at the other person and say it and know that what you're saying is, I love you. So that's one is the other. Never go to bed angry. Um, I think especially the current Matzav has taught us that no one knows whose tomorrow it is. Yeah, that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought, but it's also a recognition that today is a gift. Mm-hmm. Don't pass up the opportunity to to verbally tell each other how you feel, but don't go to bed angry. Yeah, I think more than it's also more than a reminder of, you know, live in the moment, etc. Half the if you know, couples can fight every day, every week or whatever, but half the time you don't even remember what you fought about. So it can't be that important. So if we can just clear the air before we go to bed, it's probably for the best. It's very much for the best. And then I think the last one, which is really, really important, is go out of the way 75% of the time, 75% for your spouse. If you are in this modern day marriage of, well, Mm 50-50, I changed three diapers today, you changed the ones from now on, I did this, you did this, keep track of other things, but when it comes to doing something for the person that you love, go over, make sure, because if each of you go 75%, and today, okay, it was only 65 on your half, mm-hmm. you're still in the black, you're still right. in the plus, right? I love that. It's, it, and it, sometimes it's very hard, you know, because you're, you're caught up in, in so much of the world, especially as a parent. And above and beyond as a grandparent. The grandparent is the is a fun game because you can, people always say that's even much more fun than being the parent because it's a different level of mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, and I'm, I look at my children and they're blessed with five great grandparents. Wow. Like what a gift. A, a friend just this morning said to me, I look at my friends and I'm surprised how many still have their parents. Now I'm only 65. That's, that's sad that they, that she, right? But how blessed that my own children have my, my mother-in-law, whose father escaped from the Polish army numerous times. She spoke Yiddish till she spoke English in Ghan in kindergarten. Uh, She was born in America. My mother, whose generations in America, so there was no doubt. My daughter-in-law's grandmother, who's from Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And then, and yours, and the Nonim, who uh, my my grandson, their great grandson, wore the same outfit that Nono wore 82 years ago when he became when for when he was Mila. for his brit milah. Yeah. So they, our children are blessed, and within that, there's all the cultures of the food, mm-hmm. from matzah balls to hamantaschen to um, some of the beautiful things that I've learned from my daughter, my daughter-in-law, and my grandchildren. I think that when it comes to Jewish culture and food, it's the most beautiful thing and it's inevitable that families now are made up of many different ethnicities. Um, And obviously the food gets kind of mixed and, and brought together. I have a special place in my heart for the recipes that made it as they were till today. So if I think of, you know, whether it's people who came from Russia or Poland or Germany or on my side, if it's 
um, Iraq and Lebanon and Syria to think of the way things were prepared, you know, one, two, three generations ago and to know that they're being prepared in the same or in a very similar way today. I think that's amazing. It's very similar to having like a, a piece of clothing, whether it's the Brit Mila outfit that my grandfather wore when he was a baby and have it passed down. I think food is the same thing. So um, and that's why I also thank you for bringing in these cookies and sharing the recipe with us, because I think it's, you know, it, it lives on and on, especially because people just love food and we need to eat food and it brings us joy and it brings us nutrition. And um, I think it's it's one of the most important ways of keeping keeping a story alive and keeping a people alive. Um, and that's what this show is is also about. I want to go back to maybe like half a generation ago when you were a mum to young kids and you had to feed them. And when you feed young kids, it's constant. They're hungry for breakfast and then they want a snack and then they go to school and you have to give them lunch and then they come home from school and you have to give them a snack and then you have to give them dinner and then they have to go to bed and they're hungry before they go to bed. If you're short for time and I don't know, you're, you know, you need to put dinner on the table and you're not super inspired and you, what's your go-to? What would you have done? So I want to answer that question uh, also in the preparation stage. Okay. Uh, We had a conversation a number of years back with with one of my son's uh, very best friends who ended up being at his wedding and everything. And we were all sitting, the parents of these youngsters who are now in their 20s. This was a number of years ago. And I was talking about, I had a recipe for how to fill the lunchbox. Okay. Okay. Because again, it can become quite confusing and you're under the time constraint of morning. So, and we didn't have the lunchboxes that had all the different, like peanut, all the corners of what you put in. It wasn't divided. It It wasn't divided. It was just a box. And how crazy. Right? I mean, (laughs) just a box? That's, and not just that, if you forgot the lunchbox, nobody was going to call you on your cell phone (laughs) to tell you to come back and deliver it. So, uh, and you walked to school. Crazy, crazy. So, which is even crazier because when I was in school, we would come home for lunch. It's true. My grandparents also, they would come home for lunch. And my mother would work. I would, I'm going to say an hour before we would come home, my mother would work on how that lunch was going to look. Like, was it a sandwich that looked like a face that also had a mouth and eyes? Or was it a number? Because that week was, it was like Sesame Street, but we lived it. Right. So for me, sound like hearing that, that's for me like the American dream, having a mom making you lunch that has like shapes and numbers. I mean, I had delicious food growing up, but I always wanted the the, the pretty the, food. That's right. You wanted like a party every day. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and again, if Bobby had sent Bobby cookies from because then she was living in California. So when a box would come, it didn't matter to us if it was already crumbly. Mm-hmm. It was Bubby's, Bubby's hands rolled those. That was, wow. so even, even far and near um, was, was quite a treat. But um, So how do you fill a lunchbox? So that's it. My theory was always that you had something crunchy, something chewy, something salty, something sweet. Wait, crunchy, chewy, salty, salty and sweet. sweet. Wow. So like that's how, that was my theory is that you had to always look at the box and see, was it something that you were going to... It was really a sound thing, and it was also a the way it looked. One of the boys that uh, David was now a, mm-hmm. a, a young adult with, said, mother said to me, oh, no, it's by color. You have to have at least four colors of the rainbow. 
And I thought that's quite funny. So even now, which is many years after that conversation, if I make a dinner that is a squash and um, and some kind of gnocchi or something that my daughter says to me, you know, Mike's mother wouldn't be happy with this meal. Everything is, is orange. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I think that she's taken in. And that again, you wonder what you've done that leaves a, a residual effect. Okay, so if let's give a, an example of crunchy, chewy, salt, and sweet. Okay, so you had to have like either a pretzel snack or like an apropos bugle. So that's a, a crunchy. Ah, bugles. Yeah. Bugles are, they sell them here in Israel. They call them apropos. They look okay, like okay. they look like little bugles. They okay. really do look like a horn. And in fact, that's part of the lunch experience is you have to like to-doo, mm. right? Make okay, the noise. So that's the crunch. That's and it's the also crunchy. salty. Salty, that's right. So it's salty and it's crunchy, okay? okay. Um, chewy. Chewy would be possibly a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. Very American. That's a go-to. When in doubt. And depending on your children, if you have to cut off the ends of the mm. bread. Now, we tried to convince them they could have curly hair if they uh, if they ate the ends of the they bread. They wanted to have curly hair? That's, they wanted to have curly hair. So that way they could have curly hair if they ate the ends of the bread. You heard it here first. If you have straight hair and you want curly hair, you eat Laurie the the Serbin Lasday advises you to eat the ends of your bread. Especially the ends of like, again, of the oh, hamantashen. The end of the loaf, that's even me, alve me, it's above and beyond. That means for sure you can get. Okay. Okay. Uh, And then, okay, so we had the chewy. Uh, The chewy could also be things like apricots, dried apricots. That was a very special kind of treat. And because you're the mother, everything gets cut up. So it's going to be in the box that way. Mm -hmm. Um, The crunchy could also be like a celery. And you're trying to teach how to... uh, ants on a log? Oh, yes. But, but if there are listeners who don't know what ants on a log are, it's a very American snack of celery filled with peanut butter and then raisins because it literally looks, the raisins look like ants in a log. You can also use cream cheese. That's okay. another. Okay. So that's, so if there are children that have, pe- you know, the whole peanut allergy, mm-hmm. we, we've become quite uh, alert to the fact that all these things that we ate as young children sometimes now were what probably made us sick when we were younger. But uh, also cream cheese can be used like yeah. that. And it is. It, it's like you, it's a game. It's really more of a game. Um, and then you have to ask your children, do you want them cut in? Do you want them cut in lines or do you want them cut in coins? Okay. So I, you, my, I was never asked what shape I wanted things to be cut. Uh, that's, that's part of my, part of my gift to my children so, was that food became a very... Um, you used as many senses as you could. I, I'm enthralled as an educator that the creator of the human body created us with five fingers on our hand. And so there are five senses. Mm-hmm. So as a good teacher, I normally say to the students, okay, a good teacher should, you can hear something, you can see something. We all, but that's what a parent does, hear and see. Then come the three that became more tested with Corona, mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't walk into a classroom any longer and do touch with passing something around for them to touch. Smell, mm-hmm. like oftentimes I would bring a cut up challah and I would cut it in in lines, meaning I would cut it like bread and then I would throw it back through and cut it again. So they, so were, like they were sticks, like mm-hmm. little soldiers, exactly. And, um, and then, so the kids could sniff the bag and then they could take two pieces because there was always one for each hand that was the other thing about food there you had to have one for each hand so if i if i think of the way you feed 
especially young kids, your kids and your grandkids, it's very much like a whole experience and it's less a focus on just a meal, but also as an activity, what am I doing here? What am I experiencing? I think that's really nice. Very, very much so, very much so. And now as a grandma, you come to visit your kids here in Israel, but your kids also come and stay with you in America. Um, and I think for kids, America as a food experience is probably like, it's like, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> what is something that you love to treat your grandkids with? Something that they love and you just enjoy giving to them because you know it brings them so much joy. I will have to tell you Nutella. I will have to say chocolate spread. Yeah. Which is, again, quite funny because when my own children lived here in Israel and I had to make them a 10 o'clock meal, I would have a lachmania. Mm -hmm. I would have a piece, a, a loaf of small yeah, loaf of bread, a roll. And I would, of course, put on the chocolate butter, which I, of course, had made in my mind, has so many nutrients, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't giving them a melted Hershey's. I was giving them something that had different vitamin K and vitamin B. So I yeah. felt very... I don't know who told you that. I don't know, but <laughs> I always look on the back. Um and so my own, my, my grandchildren, it doesn't matter if it's a mini bagel mm -hmm. that has either been warmed or not, like a mini uh, egg bagel or a mini regular bagel with Nutella. Or is it a waffle cut like soldiers with Nutella? Or is it maybe just a baby spoon of a bit of Nutella? Mm. <laughs> so there's always peanut butter in our closet. Always, always, always. Yeah. And there's... And I keep the Nutella, which is funny because my kids come, thank God I'm gifted that they come for a month every summer. And after the summer, Jeff goes looking, my, the Zadie goes looking through the closet to see what the kids may have left behind. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. Dipping is also fun. Yeah. Like, uh, and a, I, that's an experience. That's it's very true. much. And I've taught Emmanuel now that it's not just about, this is our two and a half year old, it's not just about spreading the cream cheese on the bagel, but it's having a little corner of cream cheese, dip, she says to me, dip, dip, dip. <laughs> and that means that uh, she can take either a celery and dip it, she can take a cucumber and dip it, uh, she can take a piece of pita. And that, I'm going to say, goes back to, go back to my dad, who his comfort meal, this is going to sound so silly, I think because they were quite poor when he was growing up, mm. but his comfort meal was to take sour cream, shamenet, mm -hmm. shamenet, and to put it on the edge of his plate and take a good piece of bread mm. and to dip it and to almost pick it like a spoon, to use it yeah. like a spoon. And watching, my father stood six foot four, so his hands were these, these really, they were, they were just like spoons, they were shovels, right? Um, and when he could put his hands on your face, and it would, and it would just engulf your entire face. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, that those were the same hands that would eat this sour cream, oh, and tomato sandwiches. He always had tomato sandwiches. Wow. So the fact that my, that, uh, in fact, my daughter-in-law said this morning, we're out of tomatoes. And I thought, ah, see, Stanley Marvin, the new baby, who doesn't yet, uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, Daniel Moshe. Daniel Moshe. Daniel Marvin um, is, uh, will learn how to, of course, he lives in the land of tomatoes. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so, but now we'll have to tell him about his namesake, who used to love big, big, big slices of tomato, sadly, with a lot of salt. Okay. <laughs> so. Salt makes everything taste better. Very much. But wow, I think that's. Like I can imagine a really good sandwich of 
a heavy bread, like not mm. not this, not like Wonder Bread, that kind of, but really heavy, good old-fashioned bread with some nice chamenet or sour cream, salt and tomatoes. I, I have that sometimes. I think uh, that, that that's what I'll have for lunch today, maybe. Oh, sounds good. And it meets Mike's mom's thing because you've got different colors. It's true. Got you've got the colors, brown of yeah. the bread. Maybe add some lettuce or mm. any leaf there. Yeah. Wow, yeah. My, my mouth is watering. <laughs> okay, so I think we're, our time is almost up. Um, and this has been a great first episode. And I really thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to share uh, with our listeners? Um as we go, we're going into Shabbat now. We're still obviously praying uh, for the speedy return of our of our soldiers and our hostages, and you know, for for the suffering to to really end and and to see you know a good outcome. Is there anything you want to share? Well, again, I I think that the way that we immediately, the way that we marked the um, please God, the temporary missing of certain people is to set tables and leave a space for them. Always growing up, you knew that Eliyahu Anavi, Elijah the prophet, mm-hmm. would sit in that chair. Um, I think for a very long time, we need to keep that chair there. Um, one, to keep praying for those that we can we can get back. But for those that, that are in the Olam Haba, for those that we have lost, I think that we have to keep their memory alive by telling their food stories, by telling our stories with them, uh, what it was like to sit at a Shabbos meal with them, what it was like to to bake with them for the holiday, mm-hmm. what it was like to watch them eat. Um, again, my father being my, we would go to a grocery store and my father would, uh, my, my mother would say, go get a, a, a container of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And we would all go, all five of us, and come back with that many containers of ice cream. Wait, can you repeat that? So what would happen is my mother would say, okay, we need a bit of ice cream. And the, um, my father would take all five of us. I'm one of five daughters. I'm the new, new, new finger, you okay. know, the one next to your thumb. Some would call it your pointer finger. In our family, it's the new, new, new finger. So she's the one who tells you what to do. That's why most of my life, my sisters have all lived in the same city, and I live in a different city. <laughs> Uh, sometimes a different country. And my father would take us to the grocery and we'd come home each with our own container wow. of not the little baby ones. Right. That, you right? each got a whole We each got pint. a gallon, a half gallon of ice cream. And my father, when he would have his, would sit with a tablespoon and he would eat it right from the carton um, and he would chew on the ice cream. And mm, I remember I trying like to that. I eat it right? so cold and uh, get brain freeze. That's exactly. That's exactly. And well, that's so funny because now my, my grandson... Um, we'll eat ice cream and he'll go brain freeze. And I think, oh, I know that your guardians in the Shemaim are watching you and laughing and laughing. Wow. So very nice. What's your go to ice cream flavor? Um, well, that's really f- again. I'm going to guess. Can I guess? Yeah, I'm going to guess. It's a weird one. It's coffee. That's pretty good. But it's it's peanut butter and chocolate. Yum. Right. And the, yeah. and the cr- again, the crunchier it can be sweet. Mm, yeah, you salty. need to talk about the bits. Right. There it is. Sweet, salty, crunchy. Um, and it is chewy. chewy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there it goes. Okay, bingo. So, if, so you, if you need help making those lunches, please let me know. Okay. Laurie Serbin Lasday from IWillIsrael at gmail.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, I had the best time, and I hope our listeners will too and uh, sending lots of love your way and Shabbat Shalom to all of our listeners.
All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity. Clubhouse.